From Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And hello out there in Radio Land. It is I back from the stormy ravages. Actually, uh, just back from Florida. We didn't get ravaged that much. But wait, you don't mean Alabama? We'll talk about that, too. We'll talk about that, too. Hey, uh, it is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. Joining me in studio here at Studio A in Podcast Village here in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., he is the former Joe Biden political operative and attorney certified to practice law in the great state of Maryland and the District of Columbia. He is one we know as Dan Lipner Esquire. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Justin. And, you know, I hear there's a new job opening at the White House for me. So I'm going to try and get in on that. Well, there's a bunch of them. I mean, there's a lot of actings. I don't know how you feel about acting. I mean, considering, I mean, we all act every day. (laughs) All the world is a stage There it is. Joining us from the comfortable, breezy confines of an undisclosed location up in the Bay State of Massachusetts. He is the author of such great books as American Politics on the Rocks. He is the man we know as Rich Rubino. Hello, Richard. Hello. And, of course, we've got Rob the Engineer. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, you got Rob the Engineer behind the glass, keeping us honest. And, of course, our host and, and gracious owner of Podcast Village, Charlie Burney. We're going to talk. Actually, I owe you a congratulations, Charlie, on the brand new studios downtown. That is baller. I mean, if you guys want to do a podcast or a live TV show, you do it from Podcast Village downtown. Yeah, we're kind of in this. We're slumming it up here in Georgetown right now. But anyway, <laughs> so you know, I know. So first of all, a bunch of things we have to cover. Uh, one, thank you for all your kind words, folks. Obviously, those who were waiting for shows last week know that I was down in Florida dodging Hurricane Dorian. And, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, what are we going to talk about this week? You know, what are we going to talk about in the coming days? And I thought, you know what? Monday, we might get some news. Oh, no, Tuesday's like Monday and Friday combined into one. Let's just talk about what's just happened today. Uh, We are recording this on uh, Tuesday, September 10th. By the way, happy birthday, Dad. Uh, On September 10th, we are recording this, and just happening today, John Bolton resigns or got fired, depending on who you ask. Uh, Israel is under attack from rockets coming from Gaza. Uh, Israel, at the same time, is also threatening to go and take land right up against the Jordanian border. Uh, anything? What else did I miss? There was a th- oh, we've told the Bahamians that they can go pound salt. Uh, there's so much we could talk about. After telling them they could come. Right. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. Look, let's start with the John Bolton thing. That's kind of the breaking news that's got everybody flummoxed right now. Last night, uh, Donald Trump tweeted a, or I'm sorry, this morning, Donald Trump tweeted a uh, a note basically saying that he had asked for uh, John Bolton's resignation and was displeased with him that his and quote I quote this from the Donald Trump tweet his services were no longer needed. Uh, this started a Twitter war between John Bolton and Donald Trump, which said who got fired, who resigned, to the point where on Fox News they were actually talking about getting live tweets on Fox News this morning, saying, "Oh, John Bolton just texted me and he says he resigned. He wants that to be clear." Uh, Either way, it is created chaos inside the national security circles at the White House. Today, being uh, September 10th, uh, earlier this morning or earlier this afternoon, however you want to look at it, 
uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Secretary of the Treasury Steve Mnuchin went into the White House press briefing room to answer questions about what was happening. Well, let me put it to you shortly. Nobody's got well, a clue. Wait, I, I think we need to set the stage a little bit more about some of the things that are going on internationally. Oh, we're, uh, we're going to get to that. that, that but that's we, kind of integral to this story because the rumor mill about what could have caused this. You mean the secret Taliban meetings at Camp David or the Russian Before spy September gate, 11th. Or, right. I mean, there's a whole litany of stuff. Let me get to the background then because we're going to cover that too. We got a bunch of stuff. So uh, this, this afternoon, a press conference was handled by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Secretary of Treasury Steve Mnuchin. Uh, it, to, to say that it was... A chaotic dumpster fire would be giving it credit. Uh, nobody seems to know what's really going on. At least that is the impression coming out of the White House today. So that being said, let's get to the background. There is There are a ton of rumors, Dan Lipner, about what caused this to go down the way it did. Uh, on top of the fact that the president's lost faith with John Bolton. What brought this well, on? Well, somebody lost faith with somebody. I'm not quite certain it going from the president to John Bolton is the direction that we're talking about. Do you think John Bolton quit? First, let me be clear. I think John Bolton is a crazy lunatic who is incredibly dangerous in national security. That said, I would not use the phrase incompetent or dumb to describe John Bolton. Um, of the parties involved with this conflict, let me be clear, I would not use those words to describe John Bolton. Right. Donald Trump, on the other hand, is another story. So it's it's worth noting that all of these things broke simultaneously in just a truly weird way. Um, it had been widely reported for a long time that John Bolton and Donald Trump had, had butt heads uh, in the White House because this White House leaks like no other White House has in the, in the past. As a matter of fact, it is the best source of leaks. Donald Trump gets another superlative of, uh, <laughs> of, of all presidents in, or all presidential White Houses. So the, the issues with John Bolton that predated uh, him being national security advisor, he had butted heads with Trump on everything from the Middle East to, to Russia to you, you name the area of the world, um, North Korea. Uh, John Bolton has had a very different and significantly more hawkish point of view uh, on how to deal with U.S. national security interests. Right. The, this president has had an inexplicable uh and I mean that literally. Right. You cannot you cannot explain this president's national security focus, and I think it's entirely plausible that John Bolton, having knowing what we do about him from public reports, that he is kind of a volatile personality, to put it lightly. Right. I think he, him, and President Trump could have had it out. No, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, so, uh, um. Completely, I got so many things going through. Well, my well, well, let me throw my own conspiracy just, theory out here. Hold on, hold on. Let me get to Rich Rubino first. Rich, <laughs> Rich you know, yes. there had been discussions about John Bolton having serious, serious problems. 
problems and conflict, not only with the decision to come out of Afghanistan and openly pull out of Afghanistan, but to telegraph it to our enemies so much. Uh, that had to have been a catalyst, but is the announcement that we heard over the past 96 hours that Donald Trump had in fact invited the president of Afghanistan and the Taliban leadership to Camp David for meetings that would have been literally 48 hours before 9-11. Pre- Afghanistan was an incidental after the fact invite. The Taliban was, was first well, on the, the guest Taliban, list. Just inviting the <laughs> Taliban to Camp yeah. David, you know, 48 hours before 9-11. Does all of this play into the fact that John Bolton just kind of realized, wait a minute, I am in fact working for somebody who is not just incompetent but possibly dangerous? Well, I, I think most people would say the same thing about John Bolton, but I think that, you know, not so much incompetent, but certainly dangerous. I think in terms of John Bolton, though, I think he probably, I mean, it's amazing really when you think the fact that he joined the administration in the first place, because his ideology is on the opposite pole of where Donald Trump was. Remember, Donald Trump ran for president as kind of a non, somewhat of a non-interventionist. He was talking about ending the war in Afghanistan. He was talking about how horrible the war in Iraq was. Those were his words. He was saying how we shouldn't have gone in and how, how, you know, how it cost us $4 trillion, everything else. John Bolton was the exact opposite. John Bolton was a neocon's neocon. You know, he goes back to the George W. Bush administration. He was an interventionist. He, want, he, was a, he, was a, he was a proponent of going into Iraq. He was a vociferous opponent of then for Pax going into Iran, which was kind of, I think, the neoconservatives' um, ultimate plan was to, go for, was to go into Iraq, potentially, I guess you could say, democratize Iraq, then go, then go into Iran. So that was kind of his ideology. And I think maybe him joining the administration, he thought he could potentially influence Donald Trump. He thought Trump was kind of a tabula rasa. Right. And he could kind of change the way that he thought. But I don't think that Donald, I don't think Donald Trump, his instincts are still the exact opposite of John Bolton. It's kind of like, you know, when Lyndon Johnson was president, he had a guy named George Ball as assistant secretary of state. And George Ball was opposed to going to Vietnam from the beginning, but Johnson kept him around for the whole administration because he always wanted that dissenting view. In Bolton's case, I don't think that Trump has any intention of doing anything that, Donald, that, that in Trump's case, rather, that John Bolton says. And particularly with Trump going into an election year, the last possible thing that he wants, in a, in a very war-weary right. public right now, there's very little appetite to go into Iran. There's very little appetite to go into a war with really anybody. And just the fact that he has John Bolton around as kind of the last ideological war hawk in the administration, right. it doesn't necessarily serve him a purpose. I just find it fascinating that John Bolton, that Trump chose John Bolton to join the administration in the first place right. because right. they're so at odds. So, Dan Lipner, though, you know, the, the one of the statements that was made by Secretary Pompeo during this impromptu press conference uh, said that, and, and I quote, uh, there were definitely places that Ambassador Bolton and I had different views about how we should proceed, talking about foreign policy and, and even military policy uh, when it moving forward. Does it, it almost seems, at least from people I've talked to in the administration, that uh, it was whatever John Bolton said we should do on foreign policy it was Donald Trump saying, now we're going to do the exact opposite. It was like opposite day constantly at the National Security Council. Does, does it make sense that John Bolton stayed around for this long with that kind of conflict going on in the White House? 
I mean, to Rich's point, it's surprising that Bolton was even in this administration in the first place. So yeah. sticking around is okay. Uh, how do you excise the tumor that you brought in yourself? Um, and so, but Bolton was, did his job. And uh, where was it he was sent? I, I was, I, I'm, I'm overlooking something. John Bolton was sent on a on a trip to make sure he was not present for another event. Um, I don't recall. I don't remember. Rich, you're our resident historian. This is recent history. That's why I he doesn't can't know think it. Where he was where he was specifically sent. No. <laughs> That's why he doesn't know it. it's um, too recent. So 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 there were weird things, and let's all, let's, really? let's also go with the, let's go, let's also go with the simplicity that Bolton with the mustache and the the kind of wild hair. This is not Donald Trump. Uh, aesthetics mean a lot to Donald Trump, with the exception of oh, yeah. Donald Trump's aesthetics. Uh, <laughs> the but Donald Trump. Wait, wait, let me just jump in real quick, though. When, like you said, John Bolton is not an idiot. I mean, John Bolton has, whether you agree with him or not, has a very accomplished career and a lot of street cred in foreign policy, in international affairs. I mean, he was the ambassador to the UN. Agree with him or not, he's got the bona fides to know what the hell he's talking about. And if you are the president... This is a guy that you would listen to if you brought him in as your national security advisor, as opposed to listening to somebody like Jared Kushner. A- any normal president, yeah. But let's be clear here. John Bolton is might be the first example of somebody in this administration that wants to pay attention to what their next job is, and therefore having something resembling integrity to themselves um it very well could be what John Bolton's issues are. Does this does this signal chaos inside the White House and the National Security Council? Because just, if you that listen, would be shocking. This, this is this is his third National Security Advisor, right? So, considering the first one's going to jail, the second one, who is also considered to be a who, great McMaster's. guy, yeah. McMaster's, McMaster's was chased out. Now Bolton was there for what are we talking? Less than a year. Uh, just about a year, yeah. Just about a year. So, and this is a incredibly important job. But the president with the biggest brain ever, who, who, depending on who's reporting that you believe, um, may have compromised a CIA asset within the Russian government. Um, this is a problem, and I, I, I am if when it, when push comes to shove, when the reporting is all done on this. I am going to believe Bolton if I have to choose between Bolton and Trump on what actually happened here. And I suspect we're going to hear a lot of not so good things. Does Should this concern the American public, Rich Rubino, yep. that we are seeing you know, strong inconsistencies within – it's almost like Donald Trump is like, you know, hey, I ran a casino in Atlantic City. I can – I can broker the peace with the Taliban, the Afghan government, and the United States. Uh, should that give us pause? Because it seems like there's, there's not really an advisor to Donald Trump other than a bunch of yes-men. No, absolutely. And whenever he does have somebody that somewhat dissents, usually they leave, and then eventually he gets into some sort of a Twitter storm with them. But that's exactly what Donald Trump, you know, when he was running for president, and they asked him who he would rely on. 
And he said specifically, he said, well, you know, I have a very big brain, and he says, you know, I have a very good mind, so I'm basically going to rely on myself. This is somebody who I think in his mind probably doesn't need a chief of staff, doesn't need a bureaucracy, doesn't need the infrastructure. He thinks that he can essentially negotiate these deals. I mean, he was talking about trade, how awful NAFTA was, and how he could create his own deals. I think he, he basically he sees himself as somebody who can, um, who, can, who can negotiate these deals all by himself. So he says, I mean, with North Korea, for example, um, it's, it's, such a, it's such a transmogrification of where the Republican Party was back in 2007. There was a debate between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, and all the other candidates were there. And they asked a question. Someone in the audience asked a question: Would you meet with any world leader, including our adversary? And Hillary Clinton said no. And Barack Obama said, essentially, for the risk to make peace, I would do that. And the next day, he, he was crucified, even by some Democrats, saying that you know this is too radical. But you have Donald Trump saying, you know, I'm willing to meet with Kim Jong Un myself. I think he would say theoretically that if he could make a deal with the with in Afghanistan, that he can then you know put in his ledger as, some, as an accomplishment for re-election. He would say, I can essentially do this myself. And I think whereas John Bolton comes from the kind of I guess you could say kind of the Bush Cheney school of don't deal with your adversaries, any any dealing with your adversaries directly is you know is appeasement, so it's just the opposite of where Donald Trump is. But I think what really you know um, this is what Don, you know the whole this whole chaos theory. I mean this is essentially. What Donald Trump's whole administration right. has been I about. Mean, to, to, That's why we have so many acting secretaries. Rich, to your point, though, so the yeah. Donald Trump and so North Korea is another great example because I actually got into this debate since the North Koreans kindly also shot off a couple more missiles. Yeah. Uh, oh, just within the past twenty-four hours, by yes. the way. Yes, yeah. um, and the, the president's eh, not not a big deal. So the question is, I mean, Bolton must be losing his mind yes. over this. I mean, and. I can't imagine he, as national security advisor, isn't wasn't looking at and ordering up reports on what the potential courses of action for tactical strikes would well, have but been. You look at you look at like let's let's bring Iran into this. I mean, John Bolton, uh, a hawk on Iran, wasn't necessarily totally against the agreement that. Uh, that that the Trump administration. Pulled. I believe he was on the record saying the Iranians, in spite of it being a bad agreement, the, the Iranians, Iranians were, were adhering. Right. So, so it, again, yeah. but again, you know, it, it, it seems like the adults in the room are being run out, and that the people, you know, that this whole art of the deal foreign policy show. That Donald Trump is putting out you there. You said the right word there. The art of the deal is the foreign policy show. Show should be in quotes, underline <laughs> in bold. Because that's he's, he's all it is. Like, I mean, literally, our foreign policy has become the, 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 a reality the, TV the show. The simple question, and this, I actually got into the debate with a friend of mine who is, I, I, I don't want to call him a Trump supporter, but he, he is, he, he, he is yes. sort of a, a, a backer. And my question was the what are we winning in North Korea, uh, and he and his response was well I want to know exactly what 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 it is you're talking about, and I was tempted to make the joke even though the there's enough comedy here that stands on its own that uh, Trump managed to walk across the DMZ without tripping and that's you know a win, but in actuality the kind of things that that the United States has given away to North Korea, what have we gotten in exchange? And the president has done this repeatedly on various different things for all of his tough rhetoric. And you can go back to Nixon, the madman theory uh, at the helm. The 
that there was something to be had for a great negotiator that Nixon understood. So for for the bombast and the crazy talk, that that actually put something on the table, and you didn't necessarily give that away without it having without getting something in return, saying yes, we will dial back the crazy talk, and you will give us X. In fact, the only thing that you need to dial back the crazy talk is sending a love letter to the president, and it's the most beautiful love letters in the world, quoting Donald Trump. But he, and but then, it, but then it's given it away. He's sending, he's sending them these North Korean Hallmark cards and launching missiles and keeping and still developing nuclear programs all under the nose of Donald Trump. I'm certain Although, I, I'm certain those missiles are just airmail for the next series of letters. Be. That could be. Kind of like Amazon. Kind of yeah, like although, Prime. I mean, I think Trump had kind of a Hobbesian view that essentially, you know, it's everybody against everybody, but you have no real permanent allies and you have no real permanent adversaries. I don't think he thinks of it directly that way, but that's kind of his view. It's not really an ideology thing. It's can we get a deal here? Right, but even but that, is, I mean, what's the deal? That's what he thinks. He, he thinks he can get a deal, and he thinks somehow that during his administration that he's going to somehow North Korea is going to is going to agree to denuclearize and then he's going to get a Nobel Peace Prize for it and that's what I think is that's what I think does, is all I mean I, I mean look I mean we're we're trying to rationalize a national security I I would venture to say and I think Rich correct me if I'm wrong would would it be fair to classify the chaotic departure of John Bolton and the way this has been handled in conjunction with everything else that has popped up over the past 96 hours of this broadcast, is it fair to consider what's happening at the White House a national security crisis? Uh, I probably, I mean, you know, but that being said, I don't think this specific move is any different than, you know, most than many other moves that Donald Trump has made. I mean, he has a, he has a, he has a, um, policy of hiring and firing and putting in acting folks. I mean, this isn't something specific. This isn't necessarily something differential to what he's been doing for his entire administration. So if there is a crisis, it's been there since January 20th so you, you of wanna, 2017. You want to hear something funny, Dan? Check this out. NBC News was reporting today, guess who Donald Trump's been talking to a lot lately? McMaster. I asked Dan Lipner, Rich. Oh, Good sorry. God. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buzzkill, Rich. Buzzkill. God, if I had a mute button. Uh, or wait, wait, Rob the Engineer, do I have a mute button? I can mute for you. No, that's okay. Then leave him alone. He, he's right, fine. Enough. <laughs> I'll be on probation. Yeah, that's right. Super secret probation. So apparently NBC News is reporting that General, that General McMaster and the president have been in talks to the point where and I'm not making this up. Donald Trump apparently sent a note either by text or email saying, hey, I kind of miss you. Wish you were here. <laughs> does, I mean, this is, this is not normal, Dan Lipner. This does not strike me as normal behavior from somebody that should be leading the free world. This is a guy that literally drove who was widely regarded as one of the adults in the room away because he didn't agree with McMaster and now he's going back on I wish you were back here can you come play with me again this is not normal it's not normal in in the sense that anyone who throws facts at this president that contradicts his statements I don't even want know what if it's his beliefs but his statements that could very well be nonsense and 
I I know we're going to get to the other topic about contradicting the uh, the dear leader um, additionally in the show, but. Everyone who contradicts this president publicly or even accidentally gets in trouble or gets ousted because the dear leader cannot be wrong, apparently. And McMaster is now no longer delivering information daily to counter the nonsense that this president is 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 dealing. I mean, McMaster is one of the people who is saying, yeah, Russia attacked us for the election. Oops. Oops. Yeah, but according to... Dear leader, nah, I take his word for it. I take Putin's word for it. Uh, Rich Rabino, you're off a of double secret probation. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Did you know when when we look at a lot of the decision making that's handling our foreign policy right now? Do you get the impression that Mike Pompeo is really driving the cart on this, or is? Is everything that's being handled in our foreign policy coming out of the White House and they're just using folks like, unfortunately, Mike Pompeo as an external mouthpiece to make it look like we've got real sensible government? For the most part, um, I think that it's actually it's coming directly from Donald Trump. I think in Pompeo's case, my guess is if he doesn't think he has any, he has any power, you're going to see him potentially running for the uh, open Senate seat in Kansas. You know, there's some folks in Kansas, some Kansas Republicans, some folks even the National Republican Party. I think he's the person who can defend that, who can defend the uh, seat that Pat Roberts is giving up in Kansas. So, if he does have power, you know, he's going to stay for the entire administration. Otherwise, he's, I think, in his case, he's going to probably, he's not necessarily, it's not going to be an, you know, um, an irreconcilable uh, d- difference with the administration. He's just going to say, I have other opportunities, and he's going to go up and run. But I do think for the most part, though, that, you know, any decision that, anything that the Secretary of State says, anything that the Secretary of Defense says, right. in, the, in the end of the game, at the end of the day, it's something that, do, it's Donald Trump, Donald Trump making the decisions, right. and Donald Trump, Donald Trump goes with his gut, he goes with his instinct. I don't think he necessarily says, you know, what do you think, what do you think, and I don't think that he would... I don't think you'd ever necessarily be vetoed by something that either Mike Pompeo or anyone else in the administration would tell him. Well, but let's Dan also Lutner. note that Pompeo has been undercut by Trump uh, back to the aforementioned North Korean negotiations. True. Uh, Trump said Pompeo screwed them all up. True. Lucky True. guy. Um, so w- w- once you've already eaten that crow, I guess the taste is already in your mouth. Why leave? <laughs> um <laughs> He also needs he also needs Trump because if he run, if he were, does run for Senate in Kansas, which I think would be his opt out, that would be his exit ramp. He can't, Trump is extremely popular in the state of Kansas, specifically with Republicans. He needs him to clear that primary for him, and he needs Trump to come out there and campaign for him. Good He's luck. not going to do what his predecessor Rex Tillerson did. And essentially, and essentially, just to excoriate Donald Trump when he left, he's going to go out and he's going to say, "I've had other opportunities, but I love you know this is a great president." And he's going to want Trump to come out, can to, we, go out to go out and say nice things for him in that race. Actually, n- noting the Kansas thing, can we just like just take a brief bit of notice that the integrity of conservatives in the United States versus the integrity of conservatives in Great Britain, when their leader starts doing some crazy stuff. They're like, "Yeah, no, yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> we're no, yeah. uh, it, it, it's a very different thing." And it would be yeah. nice if there were more Republicans. That national security used to mean something to Republicans. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't. So, some of the stuff that's like seems to be night and day obvious that yeah, this is not good. Um, it would be nice if by more the, people would speak up and say, "Yeah, this is a bridge too far." By the way, speaking of the chaos and Brexit, best headline ever 
comes out of the uh, the sun in uh, London. Floppy Johnson can't get an election. Uh, uh, I love that. Actually, oh, one of my favorite, is, one, one awesome of my favorite lines that the the comparison of <laughs> of Boris Johnson to to Donald Trump is He's a, British Trump. No, no, this He's is British the, Trump. The the, the the British reporter that was being interviewed about this and said, "Well, you know, I don't if I don't know if I if I agree with that comparison. Uh, Boris Johnson is really quite smart." <laughs> And <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna let that be the last word. I Obviously, will say though, there are a few there are a few people who do take on Trump with the Republican Party. They're Bob Corker and Jeff Blake, and both of them are leaving. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about hurricanes, sharpies, and and humanitarian crises. This is backroom politics. Stay with us. I believed and trusted. Now I'm disgusted. I found him out. Had a show down. Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And we are back for this episode of the greatest political talk show you've never heard of. Crazy, crazy breaking news going on all over the place. Uh, We just got done talking about uh, the craziness that's happening in Washington and the national security crisis that, that could be uh, occurring inside the administration with the departure, forcible or not, of John Bolton, the national security advisor. Uh, but there, there's something else we got to talk about, which kind of ties into all this chaos, but it's a little bit more serious and a little bit more somber. Um, 
Again, last week we didn't have a, a show because uh, I still have a residence down in uh, East Central Florida, which was under the gun of Hurricane Dorian. And I got to tell you something, in my 48 years on this planet and in my 30 some odd years of being in hurricanes, uh, this one scared me. And there's reason. Um Hurricane Dorian came through the northern Bahamas, mainly the Abaco chain of islands and Grand, the island known as Grand Bahama, which includes uh, the city of Freeport, which is the uh, second largest city inside the Bahamas. Uh, it came in as a Category 5 with sustained winds of 190 to 195 miles an hour. This is the most powerful storm ever recorded in the history of meteorology. Uh, it, um, it went through the Abacos, basically leveling everything in places like Treasure Key, uh, Green Turtle Key, uh, Mudtown, uh, uh, Marsh Harbor. It then went further west and basically hovered over Grand Bahama for 48 hours causing death and destruction. The latest toll, the official toll, out of the Bahamian government, uh, 50 people killed, um, largely on uh, Great Abaco Island, which includes Marsh Harbor. Uh, People I've talked to, both in the Bahamian government and the federal government and responders going over there, uh, said this is death and destruction like they've never seen. I've heard one individual who came who was over there responded and came back say that when they got to the abacos uh the quote-unquote smell of death is a smell that this individual said he will never be able to forget just the just the 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 post-traumatic stress that the responders are going to feel and those who survived is going to be epic literally just Islands, entire islands destroyed, wiped off the face of the earth. While all this is happening, Donald Trump, before it starts heading towards land, made a comment during a presser saying that uh, that the following states were going to be in possible peril. Uh, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and Alabama. What? More correctly, he said Alabama's going to get hit a lot harder than we thought it yeah, was. That, yeah, that, that, okay. that's a true statement. Uh, which prompted the National Weather Service in Alabama out of Birmingham to have to issue a tweet because apparently everybody started freaking out saying that Hurricane Dorian will not have any impact on the state of Alabama. Noah started getting public requests for information about, about the hurricane, hurricane hitting Alabama. Alabama. Right, and they had nothing. Uh, well, when the media got onto this, President Trump uh, started pushing back, saying, no, 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 that was the information. It was going to hit Alabama. It was going to hit Alabama. Even to the point where during a gaggle gathering in the Oval Office with the acting Secretary of Homeland Security, the Commandant of the U.S. Coast Guard, and the acting head of FEMA, actually had a NOAA hurricane track chart, which had the track from three days before going in towards Florida, and then a possible cone going to the west coast of Florida, 
somebody had taken a Sharpie and made a semicircle around the outer one, bringing it to Alabama, which now has started Sharpiegate. Uh, the president won't let this go. He has to be right. And not knowing the fact that on Friday, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which is the parent agency of the National Weather Service, was forced to put out a statement saying that uh, all indications were that Alabama and the president's claim were right. Uh, So many things. Rich Rubino, let me ask you a question. When you start talking about the National Weather Service, which they forecast, this is a science, and the president and the current president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, I ask you a simple question. Who do you believe as far as tracking and predicting the movement of hurricanes? The National Weather Service, the National Hurricane Center, or President Donald J. Trump? I would say that if I was a betting man, I'd put it on the National uh, Weather Service. So... When the president, when the president goes out and says, no, I was right the whole time, and oh, by the way, the National Weather Service in Birmingham was wrong, does that create some sort of lack in public confidence in, I mean, does it make us start to question the accuracy of the National Weather Service, and does that pose a public safety hazard? Perhaps. I think that the folks who are going to question the National Weather Service are probably people who support Trump in the first place, though, and those who um, are going to question Donald Trump are probably the ones who are going to who oppose him in the first place. Um, I think in terms of his supporters, they probably would say that, yes, that the National Weather Service is somehow, you know, fake news. And they, I mean, I'm talking about his vociferous support, not necessarily those who are kind of on the fence who, you know, but I think that they would say essentially that, yeah, whatever, you know, if Donald Trump is saying it, then there is some sort of a deep state or there's, you know, a conspiracy against them, and this is all by the Washington elite, so, and that that's probably that these are, gov- you know, these are folks, you know, the, the government, the media, and they're all kind of all in it together because Trump was somebody who's an outsider, and he's for them, and whereas these other organizations are just for, are just um, essentially tribunes of the deep state. So, unfortunately, Rich, I think your 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 statement is entirely plausible. Um, so, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to do something I've never done on the show before. What's that? Um, if there is a Trump supporter listening that can explain to me how the deep state lying about the hurricane um, is is fording some some leftist conspiracy, um, please let us know. Please email, feel free to call. Email Dan uh, Lipner at dan at backroompolitics.org. I, 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 uh, of many things that have hurt my brain in, in, in trying to understand this president, uh, this particular particular issue um it's the freaking weather uh if the president goes outside and everyone else is getting getting wet is he really going to say it's not raining he cannot be wrong he hates the idea that somebody called him wrong and will literally take a magic marker and draw a circle but the fact of the matter is this actually is dangerous so Thankfully, Hurricane Dorian did not uh, make a significant landfall in it, the United States. Yeah, it, it did come. It did come across land in the Outer Banks around Ocracoke Island, which but got damaged. What's to What's to happen when, if a major storm does hit, and the president mistakenly says, 
you know, relief supplies are going to be at location X, something that is not implausible for the pre- for the commander in chief. But in fact, they are at locations Y, A, and C. Does that mean FEMA needs to move things to location X to appease the president to to well, no, no. For, for, for those costs? I mean, these are real issues. These are jobs that people do. These are these are government workers that take their jobs very freaking seriously. These are professionals. Now, you want to talk about deep state? You want to talk about deep state, Dan? You look at Wilbur Ross threatening to fire yes! people who uh, yes. And then Noah puts out the the garbage statement from their public affairs office that they did. I hope the chief scientist at Noah, who is independent, working now with the inspector general, finds out that that is the case. That Wilbur Ross did in fact put uh, put out the hit notice. And if that is true, I hope they get rid of Wilbur Ross because that is a public safety concern. When you start messing around with the National Weather Service and calling into question the credibility of their forecasts. I mean, it's not just public safety. It's the so while I we've gotten a little bit of history of why the uh, NOAA is in the Department of Commerce and not in the Department of the Interior. You have to go down that rabbit hole. But but there actually is a logical reason for it. And since a a huge amount of commerce is, relies on weather. It relies on weather. Um, it sort of makes sense to have it be an objective measurement, and that they service that business. People who ship crap. Wilbur Ross care about Wilbur Ross. If proven correct, if these allegations are proven to be true, has single-handedly undermined a possible confidence in. The National Weather Service and its ability to predict weather and provide credible alerts for people to heat. The Weather Service still has the ability to predict weather, whether or not the people will heat it, and the conspiracy theories and of other crazy right-wing things that I just drive me insane. The proving that government doesn't work when the people who drove that particular particular agency of government not to work were the Republicans in the first place that you're now defending to be the people who are now the folks proving that government doesn't work. Right. Really? Right. Um, Rich Rubino. Well, I think that, yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think that what Trump realized, certainly, you know, when he was when he was thinking of running for president in 2015, he realized that there is a group of people in this country who get all their information from from one from from single sources. And, they, and by single sources, I mean they get all their information from conservative sources and I think you saw this, for example, you know, go, go back to the 1990s. I mean, there are still people that there are people who believe that the, that the Clintons are, in, are responsible for murders of Vince Foster, that they're responsible for the murders of Jeffrey Epstein. They just get their information from all these sources. And the perfect example, you know, when Justin Amash, the, Amash, the congressman from Michigan, went back to his home district and she, somebody had asked him about the uh, Mueller report. She eventually said that she didn't know there was anything negative in the Mueller report. Because and then they asked where did you get all the information about Trump rather, and they asked where did you get all your information, and she said it's from conservative sources. Now it's the same thing if you get all your all your sources from the left wing as well. There are just people who I think they have an us versus them kind of Manichean 
view, and they view that everything that they're getting, any sort of information that's critical of Donald Trump, there's somehow a conspiracy, and that somehow it's the elites, and it's the elites. But it's and always it's the, a conspiracy. It's, academic, it's academicians, it's folks in the media, they're all in this together, and they're, and they're trying to go after Donald Trump, who represents, you know, who, who represents the little guy. That's, right. I think, what the, that, that's the thing, the mentality. <clears throat> and it's very hard to get out of that mentality if that's, if that's the only information, that's the only sources you're exposed to. Right. And we have the freedom to get information from wherever we want. And you're not getting, if you're not getting information from balanced sources, then yes, you believe that essentially folks right. who are giving you the weather are somehow these government elites who are trying to, who are trying to, who are trying to put hurdles to Donald Trump to make America great again. Right. So, I mean, Sharpie Gate aside, I don't want to spend a lot of time because there's other important issues regarding the aftermath of this hurricane, including probably one of the dumbest most insensitive, inhumane decisions I've seen out of this administration this week. This week. This week being the key word. Yesterday, the Trump administration instructed, the Trump administration through the State Department and through Customs and Border Protection instructed the uh, those that were in the Bahamas waiting in some instances for days to get on a ferry to get medical attention in the United States. The Trump administration has made it a policy to not allow anybody from the Bahamas into the United States without proper visas. Not just a passport, without a visa, which defies all logic to me because for the past, I don't know, as long as I've been alive, and that's 40 years, Bahamians have been able to come and go inside and outside the United States without a visa, with just a driver's license, and then after 9-11, a passport or another travel document similar. And now after one of the biggest humanitarian crises that literally exists off of our shore by only 60 miles... These inhumane bastards sit there and they say, you know what, line up for ferries for days, we're not letting you in. They were turned away at the ferries and actually removed. They were taken off the They boats. were taken off the boats. That, to me, is an absolute, mind-blowing, inhumane act of stupidity that I nobody is going to be able to tell me why. I mean, more or less inhumane than making infants show up at asylum hearings without attorneys. Not, 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 not disagreeing with you. I mean, it, not disagreeing it, it, this with is you, all par for the is, course. But to sit there and say, like, oh, there are bad people, literally, these are people begging to save their lives. It's one thing, now he's creating a humanitarian crisis. This president has literally created a humanitarian crisis on our southern border. He's now creating a humanitarian crisis 60 miles offshore. Which I didn't think it was possible. This guy's done it. Help me out. Help me understand the logic here, Dan. I mean, I can understand the logic. What's the there. logic? I mean, there are brown people that he doesn't want to let into the country. What I can't understand is the more macro politics of it. The same evangelical Christians that uh, believe in whatever Christ-like. Uh, beliefs they might have like compassion taking care of thy neighbor it's it, it, it is wildly unclear to me 
um, where their faith lies in this other than thanking God that they aren't in the Bahamas. Uh, I, I, I genuinely do not know the the I, I am with you. I grew up in Miami. I saw the responses to various different tragedies, whether or not man-made or 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 acts of nature that that uh, cause influx into into South Florida. And I'd never seen anything like this. And this was Democrat and Republican administrations alike consistently believe that there is a helping hand that the United States could offer to people uh, when tragedies struck. This president and this administration seems, if there is even the hint that a bad person is there, but Lord only knows what a bad person is defined as. I don't as. understand this. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's... Rich Rubino, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say there certainly are very many incongruities, certainly in the religious right, just by the fact that 81% of white evangelicals you know, supported Donald Trump, who's anything but, um, who at least his history, his personal life, he's anything but a white evangelical. So somehow there's there's incongruity. You know, there's certain there's certain groups of people that evangelicals are that evangelicals are willing to protect, and certainly the unborn is one of them. But when it comes, and you know, also Cubans, by the way, a lot of the evangelicals are very supportive of the Cubans. But you saw there's also a disconnect between allowing Cubans to come into the, to make to come into the country versus, for example, allowing Haitians to come into the country. I mean, you know, Cuba is about 90 miles off. Haitians are about six, 600 miles off. But they were there was always, there was an issue. I mean, back in the 90s, for example, there were a lot of folks who were, there were a lot of folks who were against the idea of the Haitians coming in, but they wanted the Cubans to come in. And there was a big inter, and then eventually the Clinton administration almost invaded Haiti after you know. General Sedros um, had taken over from Aristide, right. but this, and I'm getting a little tangentially here, but yeah. you know there are. There, I just saying, that I guess the point is there are quite a few incongruities here, and the re, the fact that they, you know, the, how they can kind of disconnect in their mind certain people versus you know how, how why they have such um, support for you know for, for the unborn versus ever versus. Versus the born, I guess. I'm going to go out and live and say there are probably a a handful of Bahamian women who are pregnant who are also looking for assistance since their entire country has been destroyed by this hurricane. Here's the thing: is you know you have evangelical-based organizations, humanitarian organizations. I give you the Salvation Army. You can, if you're an evangelical. And you are not literally just screaming at the top of your lungs that the president is making the wrong decision here regarding having people in the Bahamas seeking refuge from total destruction. You You can't tell me that as an evangelical Christian or just as a human being. I mean, a week this er- doesn't tick you the hell off. A week earlier, the president was going to start throwing people out who are here for emergency critical medical treatment, and this included kids. Yeah. So, uh, I, 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 and it's Stephen it, Miller. Let me just be clear about this: these are decisions that are being driven by one Stephen Miller. Yeah, I'm fully convinced of that. Now, then, I'm going to say this publicly, and I don't care who hears it. Okay, Stephen Miller has about as much street credibility in immigration and public policy regarding humanitarian crises and dealing with immigration policy as a big trash bag of dog crap. He has never once done anything, 
anything that is remotely connected to immigration policy. And I will challenge that inhumane bastard to any discussion. And I'm and I usually don't call names. I am all about civility. This defies civility. Am I wrong, Dan? No. I mean, it, it's hard for me. I, there's so many levels of appalling action that are that are out there, and I've been beside myself as far as the the horrors for what's been going on with just the kids. Um, that for all of the evangelical folks who, for the better part of my political career, I've really struggled to try and square the circle to, to believe that there is actually common ground. Um, the folks who believe that their faith actually leads them to this kind of cruelty. Um, I, 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 I'm an agnostic Jew. I'll let me, I've on the record saying that, but I don't understand what kind of faith you are following other than a completely self-centered, selfish one that is far from the faith of anything else that I know on the planet um, that can suggest that you can back that kind of horror um, upon kids um, and everything else that stems from it. So when the president just, says that adults well, are going to get thrown out, yeah, that's about right. Which we're being a real um, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, first, I will say this, though. All, evangel- all conservative evangelicals are not a monolith, and I think, don't think they all necessarily think that way, but also there is a disconnect here between... By the numbers, they're still his strongest backers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, they are. I'm just saying they're not a monolith. It's true, 81% supported Donald Trump last time, which is really an amazing result, because Donald Trump is about as non-even, you know, his lifestyle. The last last thing you can say, many things about Donald Trump. He went after Sanford for cheating on his wife. Yeah, they didn't. They they over they overlooked pretty much everything, and in part of that is because Donald Trump gave him the judges that they wanted, so they're willing to make some sort of, I guess, a devil's bargain, if you will. Um, but I will say that the Catholic Church, when it comes to issues like abortion, at least at least the Catholic Church is consistent. They say they support, you know, the WIC program. They say that if we're going to support the if we're if we're going to support life for the unborn, that we're also yeah, going but, to support. But Rich, it for, Rich, I want to bring this back to the, the, the issue of the hurricane, the issue, yeah. where you yeah. have literally. Just tens of thousands of people lined up to get on a boat that could be yeah, the difference the between life and death. And, and and you sit there and you put this kind of immigration policy into play? Where, where's you the know, sensibility? Where's the humanitarianism in that? Where is the Christianity in that? All I can say is they is that they probably in their in their minds are able to rationalize things any way you want to rationalize it from some other preformulated way you want to do it and somehow these people have preformulated the way they want it the way they want to think about this and they I'm sure they would come up with a scenario in their minds where they're saying yeah this is compassionate because x because x equals y or whatever it is but I'm sure that they I'm sure that they I'm sure that they look at it that they look at it that they're what somehow they're what they're doing is compassionate for the greater good but I don't know exactly how this you know I don't know I don't know how I can't personally um, figure out that mentality you know you know what's funny here Dan is it, it's re- I, I've come to the conclusion that the people that are making these decisions it's really easy to do it from the cheap seats. I mean, I don't know if you followed it. From what, what Trump's been saying at his rallies has been explicitly and it just even more horrific. Um, well, I shouldn't say more horrific, but adding to the horror, um, the suggesting that only re- re- that that God is a a, a Republicans only club, uh, which is amazing. Um, 
And it, since Trump likes comparing himself to to Lincoln all the time, because the only president that might be a little bit better than him, Jesus, um, <laughs> the uh, there, there is the great line uh, during the Civil War that uh, that that it was, I believe it was right after. And Rich, I'm sure you're going to correct me on this, but I believe it was after a victory and said, "God must be on our side." And to which the President Lincoln responded, "No, but I oh, certainly yeah. hope we're on his." Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. I can tell you right now, we're definitely not on we're definitely not on God's side right now when it comes to the humanitarian crisis uh, in the Bahamas. Uh, if if you would like to help, because I, I can tell you right now, again, uh, not trying to be dramatic here, when I say that there are literally towns like Green Turtle Key, like Marsh Harbor like Treasure Key, that are literally wiped off the face of the earth. I am not being dramatic. I am telling you that they are just leveled and flattened. We have not even scraped the top of the amount of death that the death toll in this is going to climb exponentially. Yeah, the 50 the, the prime minister of the Bahamas has said that as we get digger, as we dig deeper and deeper, uh, this is going to be a catastrophic loss of life like we have not seen in this hemisphere in years. Uh, if you would like to help, uh, we here at Backroom Politics are supporting, obviously, uh, good organizations like the American Red Cross. Uh, they are doing good, wonderful things there in, in the Bahamas supporting the Bahamian Red Cross. Uh, the Salvation Army is a great, great, great organization that is also doing good things and providing a lot of support there. Also, an organization called Team Rubicon. If you go to teamrubicon.org, uh, they are putting boots on the ground in some really difficult positions. Uh, we we hope that you'll consider donating to good organiza- good charitable organizations like that. Um, but that being said... Uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, all of the people that were affected because, you know, we, we didn't even get a chance to talk about the effect that it had on the Carolinas, Dan. Uh, you know, there, there was there was tremendous damage on the Outer Banks of uh, the uh, North Carolina and the Barrier Islands, but nowhere near the destruction that we saw in the Bahamas. But our thoughts and prayers are with the Bahamian people, all of my friends out there. You guys know who you are. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're here for you. So know that our heart is with you. Uh, That being said, on behalf of Dan Lipner, on behalf of Rich Rubino, uh, Rob the Engineer, as always, thank you. And it is always good to see the proprietor of this fine technological advancement we call Podcast Village. Thank you, Charles Bernie uh, of that ilk. Uh, I'm your host, moderator, Justin Russell. We will be back for another episode of The Best Talk Show You Never Heard. Hey, by the way, you can download us as a podcast on all of your podcasting services, including Spotify, Google, Apple, uh, TuneIn Radio, you can you name it, iHeartRadio, you name it. We're kind of a big deal now. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you soon.